The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Yeah? I didn't want that. I just couldn't help myself. She put Jack in danger. I couldn't just laugh that off. Yeah, but it's not Sophie's fault, is it? She loves Paula, she loves you and Jack, she probably feels a bit torn. Yeah, well, I have not changed the way I feel about her. I know, but if you don't welcome a girlfriend, there's a problem, isn't there? You don't want to get out of hand. What are you getting at? Just don't make a choose. You know, what happened might have cost you your son, just don't let it cost you your daughter. Who do you think you are? Oprah Flaming Winfrey? Welcome to episode 63 of the Talk of the Street. And for fuck's sake. I know. <laughs> An unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that wonders if the podcast might get more listeners if it converted into a B&B, but only <laughs> if that means that Kate has a place to stay rent-free for as long as she likes, not that we're saying that Kate is selfish or anything. I'm Gavin. And one of us is shirtless. I'm not saying which one. It's you. <laughs> there, mystery solved. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I've had better weeks. Mm. This always seems to happen. This always seems to happen. We go away because we need to get away because life is just hectic and crazy and and awful. So we go away. We relax. We have a lovely time. And then we get home and everything just falls to shit. It will fail to shit. Well, just... You've had a stressful week at work. I've had a stressful week at work for about six months. <laughs> this is no yeah, different. Some things came to a head this week mm. um, that we won't discuss because that's private. Yep. Um, and then I had this thing that I had been trying to organize for like over a month. And it seemed like it fell through, but then two hours before it was supposed to start... I found out it hadn't fallen through, and I've just, I've been a bit sore. I think I might have another kidney stone, and that's never Yay. fun. And so, it's just been a long, busy week. Ugh. But your birthday weekend was good though, right? It was fantastic. We got to do all of the things I love to do, because you're a very good husband. Yes. Yes. We went patient. I think is the word. We went on a ferry boat. <laughs> Didn't like that. And, and you're you're Did not, not enjoy that. I don't not, like water. The idea of drowning just doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> you gotta enjoy being on the water and not think about the drowning because it's unlikely you're going to drown on a ferry boat. That's all I can think about when I'm on water. I really I just I just yeah I'm not a fan. Yeah. Whereas I'm a huge fan of the water. The dog we went, handled the water better than I did. Yes, he did. He was lovely. He was so cute. I, I'm going to have to post some of those pictures on the Instagram. Um, we went to Mackinac Island, which is an island here in Michigan that has no motor vehicles. 
except for one ambulance and everything is i you get around either by your feet or a bicycle or by horse and you're not a fan of horses <laughs> no or the smell of horse shit <laughs> it wasn't that bad was it it was stinking the horse shit yeah really i didn't find it it was like stinky. 80 degrees and Every road is just covered in horseshit. It's not covered. There's like one or two mm. little... Be they, honest. They it's tend not to be really good about cleaning it up. In fact, the last time I was there with Steli, and we saw the guy with his cart, his little wee cart scooping the poop and everything. First words out of her mouth was, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. She does love poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's very much a kind of, if you've been to Scotland and been to Calendar, mm-hmm. where my mum used to go quite a bit, and she'd walk up one side of the street, and then she'd turn around and she'd walk down the other side of the street. Right, and, and it's we, quaint and it's charming. And, and we compare quite a lot shops. of the places that we go to being like Calendar. Yes, because... Such as because Las Vegas, for example. <laughs> well, no, I don't compare Las Vegas. You compare, I did. Yes. Mackinac uh, Island was like that. You kind of see everything you need to see in five minutes. Right, except for all of the n- nature stuff and, and everything that right. we walked like half a mile uphill to go see. Mm. Yeah, Half a mile? Was it more than half a mile? It was about three miles, yeah. Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. We, so we got we got our exercise in. We got and our it was lovely. In. My was... calves are like rock. I know. It's so hot. <laughs> Boom. I mean, they were they were pretty, they were pretty fantastic already. But now they're just <laughs> wow. But we also went to Sault Ste. Marie, which again is kind of one of those places where you walk down one side of the street and right. then you walk up the other side of the street, and that was lovely too. I really enjoyed Sault Ste. Marie. I didn't enjoy the Sault Ste. Marie that's on the other side of the river, the Canadian Sault Ste. Uh, Ste. Marie. That's just a bit of a... We have a lot of Canadian listeners. I'm Let's sorry, not it's a knock bit, Canada. It's a bit of a dump. But... I said that to Canadian people in the, in the restaurant and they laughed and agreed with me. But they do have a movie theatre. Right. So when, on one of our nights there, we were kind of at a loss to do, so we were looking for movie theatres and the closest one was in Canada. So we went back to Canada. Right. The closest one was like two miles away in Canada. Right. And the one after that was 70 miles away. Right. <laughs> there are no movie theatres in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Right. So, that was nice. I mean, the movie wasn't nice. We the movie Crawl is a piece of shit. <laughs> it was Avoid great. at all costs. <laughs> well, it's funny. There I were don't think f- it's meant to be funny. funny. I don't think it's meant to be funny, but there were funny bits in it. You know, and if you know anything about Florida or alligators or hurricanes... The fact that they get so many things wrong about Florida and alligators and hurricanes is kind of funny. Like the whole premise is that they're stuck in a crawl space with alligators. And I'm like, there's no way these alligators could fit in an actual crawl space in Florida. And there's no way an adult woman could stand up in a crawl space right. in Florida, especially Southern Florida. Ah, so our our streak of movies that we really just didn't like continues. The only movie I've liked so far this summer, you didn't go see because you hate Marvel movies. Correct. (laughs) The only movie I've liked so far is Spider-Man. 
Far From Home. I can't think I of the last time Nick. I saw a movie that I enjoyed at the at the movies. I don't think I've seen that much this year, to be honest with you. You, you really haven't. What anyway. Because you, you didn't like Detective Pikachu and none of us liked oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> How you got me to go to that, I have no idea. And then you had to sit by yourself because it was so packed. What does it? Yes. I was up I with s- the kids. I slept. It was fine. <laughs> so, I mean, we're thinking about maybe going to see the new Tarantino this weekend. So, hopefully, at least one of us will like supposed it. supposed to be good. Yeah. By all accounts. Well, not all accounts. Shall we preamble, my dear? That's like <laughs> 17 minutes on. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. Yes, let's. Cody News. This is where you go, him. This is where I go. No, oh, obscene finger gestures. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the freeze. Ah, so we're a little, um, we're a little shy of of our three bits of Corey news that I try to do every week. I think part of the problem is just being in this country, where it's kind of hard to find anything really. Google doesn't really like looking up British soap operas for some reason. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And except for, you know, Digital Spy. And Digital Spy is mostly just... Lots of spoilers. Yeah, and speculation and stuff. So if anybody from the show wants to email us bits of Corey news that you think might interest us and might fit into our three item format please email us at the talk of the street at gmail.com correct or you can dm us on the twitter either on the official talk of the street twitter handle at cory podcast or you can just dm me at mama peanut that's m-a-m-a-p-n-u-t correct correct Anyway. Him. Oh, that's a different obscene finger gesture. Twice the fun of the last one. <laughs> Britishing it up. Kim Marsh, who plays Michelle, uh, has confirmed that she will be moving on. This is work. old Corey news. No, no. Okay. Let me finish. I don't have a third obscene finger gesture. <laughs> Need to invent I'm- something. You could do that. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> it's confirmed she will be moving on to work as a presenter in daytime series For Love or Money, where she and co-presenter Ashley Jean-Baptiste will be investigating instances of people being defrauded out of their money while online dating. It's a five-part series. Is that kind of like that catfish thing? Yeah. So the, I've been out of the country for far too long. I don't know who that person is, that yeah. Baptiste person. So while she says that she is excited to be doing this presentation work, she is also hoping to get some other acting jobs in the future. She hasn't ruled out a return for Michelle, but she says she said that she wanted to leave the show and, you know, flex her muscles. And do some other things with other characters. 
Brooke Vincent, who plays Sophie, has been openly discussing some of the difficulties of her pregnancy on Instagram. Brooke, who announced her pregnancy in April with partner Keen Bryan, who plays football for Sheffield United, has said that at times it can be overwhelming, especially when you don't feel amazing. And, and I can imagine that I hated having my picture taken during my pregnancies, all three of them. I can't imagine how hard it is when you're, you know, a famous person who is followed by paparazzi and also having to do paid gigs and openings and stuff and having your photograph taken and stuff. So all the more power to you, Brooke. And... Enjoy that maternity leave, which I know is coming up soon. And we wish you well with a new baby. Absolutely. Yes. And that's Corey News because I couldn't find well, so- anything else. No, I <laughs> I even resorted to going on Instagram to try to find something. And, and, you know, saw all these lovely pictures that Charlie took at the Grace Jones concert the other week. <laughs> Not really Corey but, news, though, is it's it? It's not really Corey news. Charlie went to a Grace Jones concert. <laughs> yeah. I found it interesting. Our mailbag. Chloe from Nova Scotia got back in touch this week. Yay, Nova Scotia! Again, she seemed to be enjoying the podcast, but she asked how much time we spend on it each week, which I'm not sure is a positive question or a negative question. It's it's like, a, I, I'm sure it's just an interesting one. I mean, we spend lots of time. Watching the show, watching the show takes time. Well, that's like three times 40 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Like two hours. Yeah, that's two hours out of our day. And we both work and have a home and have children and have other things that we're involved in, including two other podcasts. So it's... So watching the show is takes time and then you write the notes and I do the Corey news and we both do quite a bit of tweeting during the week reacting to bits of the show and to um, other stuff online about different actors and things so we spent quite a bit of time on it all told and then you stay up half the night after we're done recording <laughs> Doing all the producing stuff, which you're self-taught, but you're pretty awesome at. I quite enjoy it. That's, yeah. That's why I do it. It's, right. It's good fun. It is fun. I listen to us at uh, 1.2 times normal speed, so it gets through it a bit quickly. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I sound lovely at that speed. It's like Alvin and the Chipmunks talking about <laughs> Coronation Street. <laughs> yeah, so we spend like a couple hours watching it. I spend probably... Another hour and a half writing notes. Mm-hmm. We spend an hour and a half recording it. Right. I probably spend maybe two and a half hours editing it. Right. Then another hour throwing everything together and yeah. pushing it out there. So it's it it takes it's a long old job. I mean, we started recording this at nine thirty, and I reckon I'll probably be done sometime after three o'clock this morning. Right. Or tomorrow morning. Yeah. So it's like a job. Right. It it absolutely it's is, like especially, uh, you know, like I said, we have the Common Language podcast, which we also do, which is on hiatus because it's just, it takes an awful lot of time to do the research and record that one and do the production work on that one as well, 
while also doing the Coronation Street one. And then uh, the SpongeBob Squarecast, which is on hiatus because Sally is in Connecticut for the summer. Those don't take up anywhere near as much time as this one does. Really? Because I feel like common language takes up an awful lot of time as far as the research is concerned. I mean, I feel like it's a lot easier to talk about Coronation Street than it is to research <sighs> vegetables. <laughs> so I guess the answer is, Chloe, it takes... It takes, it takes a, a lot of time, right. yeah. yeah. Hindsight Corner. A blue, 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 blue. Jane Hazelgrove, you mentioned in last week's Corrie News that Jane, who plays Bernie, had previously played Sue Clayton in the 80s. Yes. I asked about Sue's deal and neither of us knew the answer to that. So according no. to Corypedia, Sue was a teenage daughter of Harry and Connie Clayton, other than working in a bakery, she didn't really have much in the way of storylines of note, but the family had a bit of a feud going with the Duckworths, and a few months later, they were moved on. Sally mentioned to Kevin sometime later that Sue still lived in Weatherfield and still worked at the bakery. That's it. We thought that Kirk's arse storyline sounded a bit familiar the other week. It turns <laughs> out that back when Rana and Kate were falling out about having a baby and stealing Adam's spooge, remember that? Yes, I remember that. Kate ran into the treatment room where Kirk was indeed getting his arse checked out by Rana. So this is a recurring problem, of course. <laughs> Chesney's jobs. Yes. He's listed in Corypedia as the manager of Prima Donna and for your fries only. Although didn't Dev relieve him of his managerial duties when Chesney got caught stealing the, the shop's takings? I think he did. Yeah, I think everybody just forgot, just about, forgot about that. that. What you drinking? <laughs> Water with lemon in my Doctor Who cup and a Heptails, which is a alcoholic beverage made with real hemp seeds that we picked up in the UP. It's citrus gold, so it's real hemp seeds plus natural hemp plus blood orange flavors. So it's a premium malt beverage made with hemp seeds. And it's pretty good. That's I like it. It's kinda bizarre. Yeah. But you know, this is this is what I do. We go into a to a liquor store, we walk around, we pick out a few of the things that we're familiar with that we know we like, and then I'll find something really weird that I've never seen before and say, I wanna try that. And I do. I do that with other stuff too though. Like when we go to different parts of the country you know and there's like a weird soda that we can't get in michigan i'll pick it up or a different kind of potato chip brand that's specific for that part of the country i'll pick it up so i just like to try new things <laughs> do you like to try new things gaff moving on <laughs> what are you drinking uh heineken zero and i've got that jack daniels winter thing Oh, my winter cider, Jack Daniels. I'm not sure if I like it or not. It's an odd flavour. It's fruity. It's, it's a kind fruity of cider whiskey. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's whiskey with fruit. Okay, so shall we dive in, my dear? Ah, yes. Let's I get thought this, this week's episodes were spectacular. I really enjoyed this week. Yeah, it was pretty good. But I, I, I don't think I really have any complaints. I still haven't watched last Friday, well, though. You watched last Friday, I didn't did. you? I did. I did. Do I you saw want... the clip of Kevin going arse over tit as he was running home to save Jack. So what was that all about? Well, that was um, 
Remember the guy who stole Kev's keys? Yes. He came in to the house and Jack was all by himself because Kev got a call from Roy that his car had broken down while he was on his way to listen to a deaf children orchestra. (laughs) Okay. I should do. Yes. As Roy does. And Jack insisted he would be fine. You know, that he, he said to his dad to lock the door behind him, that he'll be fine. He won't answer the door. He's just going to sit there and play on his Nintendo Switch. And so Kev's like, fine, it'll take like five, ten minutes. It won't be that long. So he left. Unfortunately, the guy with the keys, once he saw Kev leave, broke into the house. Only he didn't really break in because he had the keys. And Jack heard him. And went and hid under his bed and, text, boy. and texted his dad that there was somebody in the house. Texted his dad, not 911, or it wouldn't be 911, it would be 999. Right. Um, Just texted his dad over and over again. And Kev had left his phone in Roy's car. Of course. When he sat in it to try and, you know, get it started. Because Abby came by and Abby helped him with that. Um, because Abby and Sally had just gone to get their nails done at at Rachel's. Oh. Yeah. And Abby saw Alina there. Okay. That's how Seb found out that Alina was still working at the salon and had lied to him. So Kev ran home. So Kev ran home and he fell and then he was beaten on the door because he didn't have his keys because the bad guy had his keys. So how was Kev planning on getting back in the house anyway? So he 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 rammed the door. He he broke the door down. And the guy heard him and ran out the back. But Abby was in the back. Abby knees him in the newts. Oh, nice one. Gets him down on the ground and holds him there. And then Kev and Jack walk out and they look down and they're so proud and happy of Abby. But neither one of them helps <laughs> hold the guy down. But they do call the police. So he got caught. Mm-hmm. So the police get there and they ask them questions. And then Sophie and Paula come in and Sophie and Paula are like, what's going on? And Paula asks some questions of them. And then she calls the police to confirm. And then she sits them all down and she says, look, this was my fault. I am in the middle of this case with a like property developer who wants to develop this property in an environmentally unsafe way and he's being prosecuted he's being charged by this you know nature conservancy group and she represents the nature conservancy group and this guy has been harassing her and sending threatening emails and texts and has been responsible for the break-in in her home as well so she confesses these things to them they get mad well, Sophie and Kev get mad because she has put them at in harm's way without letting them know that this is what's, what's going on. Because Sophie keeps asking her what's going on. So Paula gets kicked out. Well, seems harsh. Yeah. Well, later on, Sophie makes up with her. And I think that happened on Monday. Yeah, so- they make up this week. I wasn't yeah. sure why they fell out. So, so what about Tracy finding out about the unicorn party stuff? <laughs> That's the only things that I know happened on Friday. That was great. That was that was awesome. Um, 
So Kev, oh, not Kev, Tracy and Liz follow Tim and Steve with the trailer. They follow him, they follow them in her truck for the flower shop, which has all of her advertising on. I don't I don't understand how they didn't notice her. Right. It's not like they can't notice that. Well, Steve and Tim. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they park at like a grocery store because Tim wants to get some sausage rolls, as one does, on the way to the party. A man after my own heart. And I, apparently this particular grocery store has really good ones. So they stop and then they get into the trailer with Tiny to get Tiny ready for the unicorn party. But Liz and Tracy don't know that. And Liz and Tracy are sitting there and they're speculating whether or not there's actually a horse in that trailer after all and what's going on. So they sneak out of their of their van and they go up to the trailer and they're listening in next to the trailer and Steve and Tim are talking and, you know, trying to get Tiny ready. But the things they're saying could be taken as double entendre. Oh, lovely. As you know. So eventually Tracy and Liz, they can't take it anymore. They open the door, they look up and they see Tiny and the unicorn stuff. And Steve shugging Tim. No. <laughs> no. No. So Tracy gets all upset, even though it's made money. <clears throat> Tracy gets all upset and Liz is like, oh, no, it's probably fun. And Tracy wants them to go right then and there back to work and driving the cab and and doing the switch and everything. But they're on the way to this party. They're like, we've already promised to do this party. We can't disappoint the kids. So right. Tracy says, Tracy finally says, fine, you can do it for the kids. So they do. Tracy calls Sally and lets her in on the fact that Tim and Steve have been doing this thing and have money that they've been hiding from oh, their Oh, nice wives. one, Tracy. Thanks. Yeah. So then Sally goes out shopping with the Tim money. And we don't know what, what, what she's shopping for or anything. He just happens to tell uh, Steve this and how, you know, annoyed he is. So Steve and Tim go to Tim's house. And they can't find Sally anywhere. And then they hear noise out in the garden. They're out to the garden. Has Abby been borrowing the remote control again? No. No. <laughs> no stop. Abby actually isn't there, I would, I, which surprises me. You'd think that she would be there. Because Tim and Steve go out to the garden. And what do they see? Tiny. They see a hot tub. A what? Sally and Tracy have gone halves. On a hot tub with the tiny money, with the unicorn money. So Liz... How much money have they made? Liz, apparently enough for a hot tub. Liz and Sally and... Liz, Sally and Tracy are in the hot tub. And then up pops Michael's head. Michael (laughs) had been underneath the water of the hot tub. (laughs) With goggles on, with snorkel equipment on. Which... We got diving? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and Tim's like, hey, man, hands where we could see him. <laughs> you know, because. <laughs> well. And they're like, why aren't you mad at Michael? And they're like, because we're not married to him. <laughs> so, and, and he helped them put the hot tub together. And Steve wants to get in the hot tub, and Tracy won't let him. So we get to see Steve's bare chest. 
Yay. All lovely stuff. Yeah, but so that wasn't Friday, right? that wasn't the barest person we saw on Friday, though. Let me tell you about what happened at Chesney's house on Friday. I don't want to know. I don't want to you know. You really don't. Chesney comes home. Make this quick because we've been speaking for about half an hour. I know, already. I know. But this is Friday. Chesney comes home. He calls out. He doesn't know where um, Bernie is. All of a sudden, we see Bernie. Only we don't see Bernie. We just see her bare legs. Because if we had seen all of Bernie, we would have known that she was completely naked. Bernie's naked. Ooh. In Chesney's house. Ooh. Yes, completely naked. Not wearing any clothes. She's a free spirit, is our Bernie, apparently. Yeah, she really and, isn't like Gemma at all. And then. Chesney feels really, really uncomfortable and stuff. And he's like, you can't be walking around here. I've got a kid. But his kid is at the um, summer school camp thing for seven hours. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going up. To, I'm going to go lock myself in my bedroom for seven hours if you're not going to put any clothes on. Chesney goes to Paul and complains to Paul. Paul goes to Bernie and says, I know you're up to something and you've got to cut it out and you've got to behave yourself to Bernie. Bernie's like, whatevs. Then Bernie goes to Gemma and Bernie accuses Chesney of putting the moves on her. Because that's something that Chesney would totally do. And Gemma believes her at first. <sighs> and eventually Chesney and Paul are able to convince Gemma that that wouldn't happen. And Chesney's like, I'm really offended that you would think that I would do something like that. So it ends up Gemma moves back into the house with Chesney and Bernie so that Bernie will behave herself. And that's how we ended Friday. Really? That's what it ended on? I can't remember if that's the thing that we ended on. But that's that's the <laughs> just... last thing that I remembered is that Gemma is now living with Chesney again, but just as mates. Although I think they're going... We cover some of this on Monday, I think. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. But that whole naked Bernie thing, I was just like, this is, I am uncomfortable. This is, this is more than just her putting the moves on him. This is her just like walking around the house naked. Like, that's fine to do in somebody else's house. Yeah, showing off her floof and her boobs. Yes. And her butt. Oh. Okay, so on to Monday then. Our first storyline tonight is also our last storyline tonight, so let's move on to story number two, which is about Paula and Sophie. On Monday, Sophie and Kev are chatting over breakfast worried about Jack's confidence levels. Jack comes down the stairs and wants to go to the summer camp thing. Seems like his confidence levels are A-OK, thank you very much. Right, yeah. And this impresses Sophie and Kev. Yeah, and you know what? He did a really good job on Friday, I have to say. Like, Jack did? Yes, his acting was really, really good under that bed. He's been pretty he decent. genuinely looked like he was scared. Yeah, he was he's been doing a good job. Very good young actor, so cheers to him. Kev, Sophie and Abby are congratulating themselves for Jack being resilient, and Kev goes off to work as Paula comes in, and there's a frostiness between them, and Paula wants to talk to Sophie, but Sophie doesn't think there's much to be said. Paula apologises for putting Jack at risk and a tearful Paula explains that she thought she could be safe at Sophie's because she hasn't felt safe at home in a very long time. She promises to keep her distance and she apologises again and she apologises for crying this is not what she tends to do and Sophie kind of relents and tells her to stay. Yes. 
Then Kev moans for a very, very long time about the trials and tribulations of supporting Weatherfield County. Absolutely. (laughs) The long and short of that is, he's not renewing his season ticket. Right, yeah. That's probably our boring moment of the week. (laughs) It was my boring moment of the week. I kind of glazed over. I have... I can't stress how long this went on for. It was... Felt like it was like four or five minutes. Far longer than it needed to. I have the initials BMOTW at the end of this bit. Yeah. I'm not sure what that stands for. Yeah, I know what it means. Then Sophie tells Kev that she's been speaking with Paula. She explains that she patched things up, but Kev's not interested, not even when Sophie points out that Jenny kidnapped Jack and he still drinks in the Rovers. What a fantastic point, Sophie. (laughs) What a fantastic point. (laughs) Kev tells Sophie to stick her bisexual lover up her arse. Right. Right. Up her arse. Up her arse. With a strap on. Ooh, kinky. <laughs> then Tim is chatting with Kev about the Sophie and Paula thing. Tim advises that he almost lost his son. Don't lose your daughter too. Kev calls him Oprah Flamin' Winfrey. Yes, he does. And promises not to renew his season ticket now if he's going to have to spend time speaking to Tim. Aww. Then comes Paula and Sophie and Kev has decided to accept the apology after all. He just wants Sophie to be happy, so he wants to put it all behind him. And Sophie is dead made up in that. Bravo! And that's that story for the week. Yes, excellent. Boom! Yeah, That's how so, you do that. Yeah, it was a property developer who's been threatening her. Oh, so she says. Do you believe that? Over environmental stuff. It's tied in with Jan, isn't it? I don't think so. This sounds like something completely different. And I can I'm getting believe... very confused about all this. I can believe that because, I mean, think about how many people she represents. She represents a lot of people, and most of them are really shady people. She tends to... Like Sally. Well, (laughs) Sally was kind of a fluke. Remember, Sally went to her, but I mean, Nick, she told Gary she'd represent him as well. Um, She'd represent anybody. Jan... This this property developer guy. It seems like she tends to. Well, she's a fence appeal. lawyer. That's, that's what yeah, she does to the sh- more shady people. So, oh no, no, but she doesn't represent the property developer. She represents the environmental group who's going after the property developer. Oh, so that's so not that's a defense not lawyer then. So she's a defense lawyer, though, right? She's not a prosecutor. Everyone that she's been representing so far, she's been representing from the point of defense. Yeah, but I'm sure she can do both. Oh, I think you specialise in one or the other. Really? I think so. Anyway, that seems to have all settled itself down. Which is very nice. Although I am concerned that Paula's going to be a baddie here. I hope not. I like Paula. I like Paula too. I think she's great. But... Who hmm, knows? This Jan thing is concerning me. (sighs) Yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, 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 we will. And it was nice because it, it, it also, this storyline kind of tied in a little bit with the Kate and Jenny storyline because Sophie and Kate sit in the bistro and Sophie tells Kate about, is that our dog barking? I don't think so. Okay. Is it? I didn't think so, but it sounds kind of close. Anyway, ah, <laughs> oh, the joys of a home studio. Um, yeah, it's not like the boys that do the sofa cinema club. Oh, 
Well, they could just GTF. They have their lovely plush. Not really plush. I don't think it's plush. Those seats look really hard. Oh, no, I like those seats. I, th- I think these uh, microphone stands are this, what the they're same. using. Yeah, they're the same microphones. And the, the same no, microphones. the microphones are different. The microphones are very different. I think the microphones are condenser mics. Yeah. And You're such a nerd. I am not wearing socks. In fact, I'm not wearing shoes. So I'm wearing socks and shoes. Oh, so the, we don't have any similarities at all other than the, the microphone stands. But yeah. I am not wearing a shirt. You've... <laughs> You mentioned that. No, I just said one of us was shirtless. I didn't say which one. I did. You spoiled that. I wanted to keep them guessing. Well, it's a 50-50 chance and you mentioned it, so... Anyway. Anyway. You were in the middle of a thought. Yes, no, that it, that the scene with Sophie and Kate is really lovely where Sophie talks about forgiveness and not wanting to ruin a relationship. And we will get to that. Yes. With, yeah. And this storyline that we're about to talk about Excellent. right now. Excellent. This is Kate and Jenny's WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> or is it a Royal Rumble? Let's call it a Royal Rumble okay. instead. On Monday, Johnny and Jenny are discussing takings in the Rovers. It'll be Morecambe rather than Marbella next year, says Johnny. And Jenny suggests finding new revenue streams. In comes Kate, she's worse for wear. She didn't get in until four o'clock in the morning and then totaled the kitchen trying to make an egg sandwich. Johnny asks her to do a shift, but she says she's coming down with something, so she heads back to bed, much to Jenny's chagrin. And mine. Yeah, and everybody's. Well, not everybody's. Well, no, no. Johnny seems okay with this, because Johnny is a very bad parent. Correct. Jenny wants to talk with Johnny about Kate getting wrecked every night, and Johnny thinks that she needs to find her own way through the grief. Jenny suggests getting her to pay rent, encourage her to get a proper job, give her a sense of worth, all that kind of thing. And Kate overhears this and selfishly nicks a half of vodka and tells Jenny and Johnny that she's feeling better and she's off out with her pals again. Don't wait up, she says. Interesting. Kate being selfish. Hmm. Hmm. That's unusual. Hmm. Hmm? Then Kate is at the bistro moaning to Sophie about Jenny treating her like a child, although she has to admit that she has no career, no direction. Yeah, yeah. She admits that Jenny is right in this scene. But she doesn't admit to Jenny that Jenny is right ever. No. Sophie it just becomes more and more selfish as the week goes on. Digs her heels in. Sophie gives her some good advice. Show some empathy, she says. Step into Jenny's shoes for a bit and then maybe even forgive her. Right. Which is what Sophie did with Paula. Back at the Rovers, Johnny is trying to convince Jenny to treat Kate with kid gloves. And at this, Kate comes back, recognising that she hasn't been easy to live with lately. Johnny insists that she's family and her happiness is all that matters. And then Jenny smiles, but not really. No. Yeah. See, here Kate was finally, you know, admitting something and admitting that she could be wrong and that maybe she does need to get back on her feet. And instead of see, taking, instead of seeing this as a good step forward into Kate getting past her grief and getting back into adulthood, Johnny says, "No, no, 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 you're fine." Right. <laughs> no, no, no. So this is not just Kate's fault. A lot of the f- blame here firmly rests on Johnny. He's enabling her somewhat. So fucking lootly. <laughs> on Wednesday in the Rovers, Kate is telling Johnny about meeting up with Imogen later. Oh, I was meeting up with Imogen later. Yes. Her name's not Imogen later. No. 
<laughs> then Jenny comes in with 50 questionnaires that she's got printed for the Rover's customers. What a shit idea. Well, she wants she wants to know what they what they want. And Johnny thinks that she, they can do that just by asking the punters what they want, and he wants nothing to do with this. Jenny thinks 50 questionnaires represents proper market research, which of course it doesn't. No, but it's a step in the right... At least she's... Tr- least she's trying. Tracy, Michael and Ed have filled out the questionnaire. Tracy wants Emma dead. She doesn't want Emma dead. She wants Emma gone. And that's what she means by that. Dead. Really? Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't understand why she wants Emma gone. I mean, Emma is the least offensive person there. Michael and Ed want free booze, which is pretty much what Johnny predicted people would say. Jenny wants a place buzzing again, something dramatic. And Jenny thinks about setting up a B&B, and Ed agrees to take a look at her upstairs. But, but not like but that. But not like that. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate is talking about travelling with Imogen at speed dial, and Imogen tells Kate that she needs to move on in her life and suggests that she joins her in her travels. So Kate meets Johnny at Roy's Rolls away from Jenny. She tells him about the trip with Imogen across Asia and asks for his financial assistance. Three grand! How much do you need? Says Johnny, who's sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Three three grand, says Kate. And luckily, Johnny's sitting on the toilet because he shits himself a little bit. I don't understand where this shtick came from. It sounds like he's kind of (laughs) clenching a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe a little. (laughs) It's a thing. It's a thing. Ed's had a look... Ed's had a look at Jenny's upstairs, but not like that. He'll go away and do some number crunching. I wonder how much it'll cost. Three grand, maybe, do you think? Mm. Ed says they're not the cheapest, but they are the best. And back through the bar, Kate is wondering what's going on, and Jenny explains about the B&B idea. Kate tells her she can fucking whistle for that, because Johnny's just promised her three grand to go travelling across Asia with Imogen. Jenny smiles, but not really, and she's been upstaged in front of the entire pub. Right, yeah. It's like, well, he didn't discuss that with me. Oh, he didn't yet. discuss it with me. Oh. Oh, light, sweetness Aww. and light, sweetness yes. and light. Smiling all the time mm-hmm. is our Jenny. But she really wants Kate dead. <laughs> and Jenny... <laughs> As do we all. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, no, see, we're going to get the haters. No, the, no. we're going to get the lovers of... The character, not the actress. Oh, but people love the character. I don't know why. I really don't. I don't understand it. And they're very, very devoted and very keen on... Yes, well, I took on a whole bunch of Beto O'Rourke stands on Twitter this week, so I am not afraid of any Kate stands. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me say that now. <laughs> so, Jenny is a formidable force. Later, when Johnny is back, she makes the case for the B&B and Johnny feels press-ganged, which is how Jenny feels about the Asia trip. Jenny says that most of the work will fall to her anyway with the B&B and she thinks that the two of them can make a real go of this, much better than that Toya's attempt. Kate wonders if she's going to get a bill at the end of the week. Johnny tells her she'll always have a room there and Jenny reminds Kate that she'd said that this was only a temporary deal anyway. Absolutely. I mean, she still has... She still has a room over at that other place that Craig lives in and Imran and Toya... Also live in now. Oh, is that where they are now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they got booted out of the right, Leanne uh, flat. Yeah. Yes. Kate is in the bistro moaning to Carla about Jenny and needing money to travel. 
Carla reminds her that she's assistant manager at the bistro, which is... <laughs> Aren't you... You're the assistant... How did Kate become assistant manager? Was that because Robert was guilty about something? I think so. I think she got promoted by accident rather than design. Right, yeah. And I think... If I, see, if I remember correctly, Daniel wasn't quite happy about this. Like he thought he should be assistant manager. No, I don't manager. remember that. Anyway, albeit anyway. on paper, but she still has a job and there are shifts available. And this seems to spur Kate into earning the money herself. Yeah. Rana. Wow, what a great idea. Rana, apparently, had a thing about Japan that she chose never to mention. She goes back to the Rovers and tells Johnny and Jenny that she doesn't need the loan. She's going to work at the bistro for a few months and save up. And Jenny is thrilled that Kate has got her mojo back. Because Kate's plan is to travel to through Asia with Imogen, go to Japan and leave some thing at a temple somewhere. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Even though Rana was not Buddhist. But she, she loved Muslim. Japan apparently. Maybe it was a band Japan from the eighties. Remember the eighties? <laughs> Maybe that's what she loved. Or well, it's been a terrible misunderstanding. Oh no. Uh, is something gonna happen to Kate in Japan, do you think? Or is she just going to go away and travel and just never come back? Probably. And she'll marry Imogen and they'll just travel the world together and never come back. And just be selfish in <laughs> as many countries as possible. Oh, come on. We don't necessarily know that that's the way Imogen is. Do we? No. No, just Kate. In private, Johnny thinks this was Jenny's plan all along to give Kate the push to flee the nest. And Johnny is kind of in on the B&B renovations idea now, depending on what the numbers say. Right. Although he's still a little a little sad that Katie's leaving, I think. And Jenny's thrilled in front of Tracy and chooses to tell her that she's getting rid of the stepdaughter, so hashtag freedom. And of course, Kate is standing behind her <coughs> and overhears all this. Correct. On Friday, Ed's arrived at the Rovers to measure up for the work. Apparently, the quote was satisfactory to both Jenny and Johnny. And Jenny wants to uh, focus on the ensuite in the master bedroom. All the guests will share the family bathroom. And Kate throws in some barbs about being a guest in their own house and having to share a bathroom with people. And Jenny either ignores it or pretends to ignore it. Well, she says, well, they won't be strangers for long because what she's hoping is to get like business people who need someplace to stay for a longer period of time sort of thing. More like an Airbnb sort of thing, I think. And Jenny tells Kate that she'll be moving out to go backpacking anyway. Jenny goes off with Ed leaving Kate looking like a bulldog licking pish from a nettle. Do bulldogs do that often? Like pish from a nettle? Yeah. No, but can you imagine their expressions if they did? <laughs> Later, Kate has put in 15 minutes of work and is outside the bistro on her break, explaining to Imogen on the phone about how much of a cow Jenny is, telling her about hashtag freedom business and all that. Johnny, though, is standing behind her and he, he hears all this. He's not amused and storms off to have it out with Jenny. Ugh. And Jenny insists to Johnny that nothing she said was malicious and the sooner that Kate's off on her adventures, the better for everyone. And oddly, this seems enough to placate Johnny. But he warns her not to make him choose between his wife and his daughter. Yeah, he maybe needs to say that to his daughter as well, but he doesn't. No. No, because he's already chosen. Let's be honest. It's the daughter every day of the week. Blech. No wonder she's so selfish. Johnny recounts this to Kate later, but Kate doesn't really buy into it. But to keep the peace, she agrees to put it behind them, except she doesn't really. No. And then with Kate back home, Jenny is preparing a mood board. Yes. 
A mood board. Yes, it's like a idea board, a Pinterest board sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. She apologises to Kate for opening her mouth. It all came out wrong. She was being stupid and selfish, she says. And Kate accuses Jenny of being selfish and wanting Kate to leave. Kate accuses of, Jenny of being selfish. Instead of saying, wow, that's really big of you, Jenny. Thank you for the apology. I apologise too for being for also being a selfish cow right? and trying to get between you and my dad. And she refuses to be pushed out of her own home by Jenny. And Jenny, God bless her, refuses to be intimidated by this and tells Kate that they need to just get on for Johnny's sake. He's got enough on his plate. And it's not her own home. She never lived there. No, it's not like a family home. Now. No. It's not a family home. It's not the house she grew up in. No. At all. No. They bought the Rovers when she was living over with Craig and Rana at that other place. So... I don't understand why she's acting this way. Like this is her long lost family home and, you know, Jetty's trying to rip it from her and, and it's so devastating because it's not. You're in your thirties, love. Get the fuck out. Absolutely. <laughs> Kate flings out, leaving Jenny to wonder what the actual. And there's a scene later where Kate, is off, out, and Jenny pretends to be interested in whatever pish Kate is spouting, and Kate pretends that she doesn't hate Jenny's guts, and Johnny is just chuffed to bits that the two women in his life are getting on so well together. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is going to probably continue into next week with the, this kind of feud that's going on between yeah. Jenny and Kate. Yeah. Until Kate finally leaves. Because we know she's leaving. So there's a poll on Twitter. Team Kate or Team... Jenny. Team Jenny. Jenny. And I think you went for Team Jenny. I'm um, really yeah. Switzerland and all this. I, no, I'm, you're I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of either of them. Yeah, but in this situation, as a parent of an adult child yourself, you're Team Jenny. Well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is all building up to, to Kate's departure. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be an effect on Jenny and Johnny's relationship because of this? Probably, but I hope not, because I, that they've been through enough. I think their relationship has been through enough. I think they need to start going easy on them, especially Jenny. As ambivalent as I am towards Jenny as a character, I think she's she's good behind the bar. Yes. She has. She fills a. A, a nice little role. With, and with I the, think she's right. I think she'll absolutely be able to pull off this whole Airbnb thing. B&B. Yeah. Well, I call it an Airbnb. Even though it won't I be on... I can tell, but that's not what that is. I know. Even though it won't be on that website. It'd be cool if it was. We can call it a sausage roll if you like, because it's not one would of them it, either. Would it be cool if the, if, they, if the show actually made the top of the rovers, even though it's not filmed right there? Right. A, a B&B where you can stay. You can stay in Rover's Return and stuff. I bet people would go for that. I bet people would like that. They should build a little replica that's proper houses and things where that sort of stuff could happen. Like the Cheers uh, bar that they have in, mm -hmm. in Boston. The two Cheers bars that they mm -hmm. have in Boston. Because they've got the one that's outside. Uh, yeah, the real one. Beacon Street. It's across from the Common, isn't it? 
Yeah. It's that kind of area. So there's the one where they filmed the exterior shots and inside right. it looks nothing. nothing. I think it's a pig and whistle maybe or is it something boar like and that. something. Something like that. And it's nothing like the interior of Cheers when you, right. when you go into it. But then they, they built another one that didn't look anything like it from the outside. But once right. you go inside, it was exactly like the inside right, of Cheers. Yeah. The more touristy trap yeah. ones. Making money. Yeah. Decent idea. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, the we went up to the Shipwrecked Museum on our, on our wee jaunt. And they have made one of the uh, Coast Guard barracks there into like a B&B sort of thing for for visitors to actually stay in and it's always booked right yeah so there you go coronation street we've given you a revenue idea we expect our checks (laughs) get in touch we'll 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 give you some bank account details and written numbers and stuff (laughs) our next storyline tonight starts off as super michelle and then kind of becomes a couple of different things, including Carla and Peter and all that fun stuff. But on Monday, Michelle has called a meeting at the bistro. Ray Crosby, or is it Roy Crosby? Ray Crosby wants them to cater another event. <gasps> this could be a regular gig. Ooh. And Robert is keen, but Alia isn't so sure, but it's convinced when Robert says something about prep or whatever. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> then Tyler phones Robert at work. Irish Tina isn't well, although no. she seems to be improving. He reckons that she's just eaten a dodgy beefy bake too quickly. Well, if it ain't an emergency, Robert says, I'm not interested, but he might pop round later tonight. And when Tyler relates this to his mum, she's not impressed, and with a bit of an effort, she storms, kinda, out of the house. And where she's storming off to is the bistro, and she manages to wander into the kitchen. Tonight is too late, she says. Irish Tina is carrying his baby because he said that he would be there for them. Well, right. look, well, look how that's turned out. Uh-oh. Her and the baby will always play second fiddle Yikes. to spatchcock chicken. She goes to leave, but ends up doubled up in pain. They need to get her to a doctor. Stat. It's kind of unfair, the whole spatchcock chicken thing, because this is how he makes his money that he would be using to support her and a baby. So it's really kind of not fair for her to be saying, no, you can't go to work. You have to hang out with me. It's after work. That, you know, although, to be fair, this is kind of a medical emergency that she's going through right now. Are you familiar with the TV show Big John, Little John? No. Hmm. I think it was a 1970s kids TV show. Uh-huh. This whole storyline reminds me of Big John, Little John, a little bit. That's a little reference for the for the kids out there. <laughs> a random fact for the of the 1970s week. the 1970s kids. There'll be another random fact of the week next week. In fact, that may be the tangent of the week. Who knows? <gasps> Ooh. Ryan, Alia and Michelle get back to the bistro kitchen uh, that is now Songs Robert. It seems that he texts Ryan earlier to get him to cover for him. And Ryan hasn't been able to find Robert and Michelle has now left four messages for him. Meanwhile, Robert says that if he knew how serious this was, he'd have come straight away. He doesn't want anything to harm the baby. Or Irish Tina. And then she gets Tyler to tell Robert his news. He's won an award for something. Well done, Tyler. Yes, for being a good... Uh, for reformed, yeah, for being good and reformed thing. and getting a job and cleaning up his act and not not knocking up people any anymore. more minors. Right. Well done. Let's give an award for that. 
Robert finally calls Michelle. He claims that he's been driving all over Manchester looking for special berries for the sorbet for the special event for this raid character. Michelle doesn't know what she did to deserve him. Because Robert's stupid, he's calling her from inside the hospital. So when a crash team noisily goes by, Michelle hears it. And Robert claims that it's a medical drama on the store's TV. And because Michelle's stupid, she believes him. Kinda? She does believe him. Oh my god. Well, it's just it's the dumbest thing. But I've seen that in other TV shows. And Michelle, I think it was Michelle, says... When when they don't know where Robert is, is was it Michelle who says you walk? She walked in and it was like the Maria Christine in there. The Marie Celeste. Yeah, it was like the Marie Celeste in there. I thought that was a cool reference that they, they just how ha- that she just happened to know that it was like a ghost ship. You give me a hard time for going on about a nineteen seventies children's TV show <laughs> and she's talking about a ship that went missing in the sixteen hundreds. I know, I love it. Well. Was it the 1600s? I thought it was... Or maybe a little bit later than that. I think it was later than that. You know, I mean, we were just at a, a shipwreck museum, which was kind of eerie to be surrounded by things that people have brought up from, like the Edmund Fitzgerald. Those are mostly big, kind of contemporary freighters, though. Yeah. Not French ghost ships. <laughs> Still eerie, though. The doctor comes to see Irish Tina, the baby is fine, there's no infection, and she has gallstones. Congratulations. She can go home now. Those can be quite painful. Irish Tina needs Robert if this sort of thing happens again, and he promises that Irish Tina and the baby are his number one priority. And by number one priority, I think he means he's going <laughs> to piss all. all over them. Right. Number one, you see. <laughs> That's so, you're so... What, what is it about you and urine tonight? That's the second reference to piss you've is made. It? Yes, because of the bulldog. Like oh, he yeah, piss yeah, off yeah. a thistle. Nettle. Nettle, whatever. Um, oh. No, I can't remember. Oh, I'm I'm surprised. Surprised the doctor hasn't said, didn't say, we got to get this, we got to remove your gallbladder. That surprised me. That I mean, she Just because she's got gallstones? It's a that's, bit drastic, isn't it? Not really. That's what happened when I had gallstones. I took out my gallbladder. Yeah, because it's and not because it's billable. And now I don't billable. have a and now I don't, and now that's one pain that I will never feel again. Although, remember last year I got that scan and it said that there was no problems with my gallbladder. And I laughed because I don't have one. That's well, true then. There's no problems <laughs> with it. Except it's not there. <laughs> on Wednesday, Robert is outside on the phone to Irish Tina, promising to be there whenever she needs him. She reveals that the award due for Tyler is at the hotel that he's supposed to be catering for later. Rat row. He makes his excuses and hangs up when Michelle pops along and tells him that he needs to make more stuff. More uh, pakora. Samosas. And samosas. Because this asshole client of hers always underestimates. Yes. So Robert is making the samosas. 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 Not samosas. Those are cookies. And uh, Pacific Islands. <laughs> Michelle is telling him to make more. Robert gently reveals that this might be an event that Irish Tina and Tyler might attend, but he's not sure. But Michelle can't be put off. She'll be there and she double checks that Robert will be there too. But he's not. Because Robert goes round to Irish Tina's to make her monkfish of all things. He, she's pregnant. Monkfish? That's about a stab in the dark, isn't it? He uh, tells how, much, how much mercury do you think is in a monkfish? Oh, let me see if I can remember my monkfish is lessons like from high school. 
It's kind of like swordfish. Because you can't eat swordfish when you're pregnant because of the high mercury levels in swordfish. And you're not supposed to eat things like sushi because raw food, probably not a good idea when you're pregnant. I always think that monkfish is probably high akin mercury. to a fillet of swordfish or tuna or something. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat tuna either. He tells her she looks awful. Go fuck yourself, Robert. <laughs> she should take it easy. Never tell a pregnant woman she looks awful. He tells ever. her gallstones can be life-threatening and asks her to take it easy, which she agrees to do. Maybe she'd stay at home and rest up. This uh, event's all going to be long, boring speeches, and she agrees to this as well. That Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> then he and Tyler set about cooking a lovely meal as he gets a text and from Robert Michelle slips money to Tyler and says, you didn't want to really go anyway, did you? And he didn't. By all accounts, he could have given a shit one Yeah, it doesn't seem like he did. Then Robert finally arrives at the hotel, claiming to have taken a shortcut and got lost. Ray, the asshole customer, has done it again and invited more guests. Why? Alia panics and then it transpires that Ryan has forgotten to bring the extra uh, samosas. And pakora. Michelle offers to pick them up, but Alia for some reason thinks that Michelle is needed at the venue, so they set along getting streetcars to bring them over. And at this point, we begin to see what's going to happen. Yeah, we do. Especially when Irish Tina and Tyler show up, ready for the award ceremony. And Irish Tina is wearing a lovely feather fascinator in her hair. She is, and she's got a tattoo of a rose on her back. Kelsapreeze. Well, Michelle has tattoos as well. Of a rose on her back? I noticed that Abby had tattoos tonight. On her arm that I'd never noticed before, on her lower arm. Hmm. You have tattoos. Yeah, I just hadn't noticed them before. She's so proud of them. He's really turned his life around. Well done, Tyler. Yay! Michelle and Alia are pleased at how things are going, even though the taxi hasn't arrived with the food. Then Robert observes how there's a few familiar faces here, and this is when he sees the back of Irish Tina and Tyler, and quickly he ushers Michelle back into the kitchen. Ruh-roh. Irish Tina is about to have one Prosecco when Robert nabs her. Oh, no, you don't, he says, and she's understandably surprised to see him. What the fuck are you doing here? And he asks her the same thing. Meanwhile, Tyler is curious to know why Robert didn't mention that he was chefing here. Thinking on his feet, Robert says a mate had to pull out and he's covering at the last minute. Robert's lies are just so wonderful, aren't they? No. He didn't get the call until he'd left Irish Tina's. And Michelle is lingering in the background, conveniently not seeing any of this happen. And Irish Tina is conveniently not seeing Michelle either. Right. Later, Robert gives Irish Tina a hard time for being there while pregnant and he ushers her away now telling her that he's sending her home in a cab. Irish Tina worries that he's treating her like a child, although she appreciates his concern. They hug, and at this, Tracy comes in yep. with the food. <laughs> yeah, she does. And she sees him and yep. asks why he's hugging that tramp. That's right. Robert's going to need his extra big lying boots on <laughs> to get out of this one. Right, because Tracy is not nearly as gullible as Michelle. So is Tracy still working for the cabs? Apparently, okay. maybe this happened before. Well, no, because she found out about the unicorn last week. I don't know. It's just convenient that it's Tracy because Tracy has to be the one to find out. It was always yeah. going to be Tracy. It was always going to be Tracy. But get out of it, he does. Just running with the fact that he's working there, Irish Tina's too busy to insult Tracy to notice that Robert is essentially denying the relationship. And then Tyler whisks her off for photographs. Was Irish Tina surprised to learn that Robert... And Tracy were once married. married. Right. Yes. Tracy is still suspicious. 
he seems to be bumping into Iris Tina quite a lot these days. Mm-hmm. If he's lying, Tracy promises that she will find out. And then Alga shows up to take the precious fucking samosas off Tracy's hands. And Pakora. And it looks like Robert has successfully managed to navigate the evening without his cover being blown. Whew. Tyler and Irish Tina are ready to shoot, so Robert calls them a cab. Meanwhile, Ray is a happy customer. He's super impressed with everything, particularly it seems Michelle. Yeah. For some reason. Remember, I said this after the last one, that he seemed to be most interested in Michelle. And the two of them go off for a secret meeting, which annoys Alia, who's left to clean up, as Robert has left for an appointment already. Right, but Ryan is there. Ryan is there with with his uh, an appointment with his um, not his attorney, accountant. Accountant. Right. Yeah, I have an appointment with my accountant after this dinner thing. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Long story I, short, I'm just now mentioning it. Ray asks Michelle to be his events manager, a competitive salary, and a company car. Ooh. What will it take? He asks. He's not interested in Alia. She nope. she has no heft. Whatever that means. It means she doesn't have an, as nice of a rack as Michelle does. Oh, okay. Really? No, but we know that Ray is interested. Let me think in about Michelle. that for a second. I really have no dog in this fight, but Ray seems to think that Michelle is more attractive. Hmm. So I was just. I, I, I'm, I don't know. He needs Michelle. I don't look at boobs. What's it going to take? Then Robert turns up at Irish Tina's, who is definitely not his accountant. <laughs> no. She tells him to stay, but he reminds her that this was never, there was never supposed to be any funny business between them. He promises that, although he, he knocked her up. Right, well, that's when he was still dating her, but then remember he broke oh, right, up with right, her. Right, right. And then after that is when he found out that she was pregnant and when he started to come back, but it was only because of the baby. He promises that when things settle down at work, he'll have more time for her. She offers a spare room and he tells her maybe. Then Michelle is finished with her meeting, wondering where Robert is, as she frequently does. And she tells Alia about the new job offer, which Alia misinterprets and Michelle doesn't do anything to disabuse her of this. So Alia thinks that this is just another gig. Right. In the Rovers, Michelle is telling Robert, who's obviously chosen not to stay at Irish Tina's, about this new job offer. Wouldn't you know it, it's going to mean being away from home a lot, initially for two or three weeks and she goes through training. Right, and she goes to all of the different hotels that Ray apparently owns. Robert can barely conceal his glee, and (laughs) then Michelle worries about telling Alia. So later, Alia and Ryan join them in the pub with exciting new menu options that she's thought about for the new gig. Right, getting recipes from Yasmin. Michelle pours piss on this idea and tells her about the Ray job that's just for her, it's not for Alia, and Michelle's going to accept it, definitely, thank you very much. And Alia's like, WTF, I'm the one who introduced you. Right. Yeah, she reacts pretty badly, she calls Michelle a right piece of work, and storms off. She could say worse. Tracy comes along and drops the fact that Tyler was at the do into the conversation, which surprises Michelle. And Robert distracts her by concocting a story that Tyler's mentor has offered him a position as a chef at the Young Offenders Institute, which would mean occasional sleepovers. Yeah. Michelle is confident that the relationship can cope with this. They hug, and Tracy rolls her eyes and smirks as she watches this from the bar. Right, yes. Tracy is just going to drop a bomb. <laughs> and she's going to take she is an immense amount of pleasure in doing going so. Going to love doing it. On Friday, Robert's on the phone with Irish Tina. It seems that Michelle is already off-ski. 
Irish Tina tells him that Tyler's dad wants to visit, which seems to put Robert's nose out of joint a little bit. Hmm. In comes Carla and Robert pretends to be on the phone to the young offenders and hangs up on Irish Tina, who is constantly getting hung up on. Carla's in with Ryan, Bethany and Kate, with Michelle out of the picture, who's going to be the manager? Carla doesn't want it to be her, so Kate volunteers. Especially and, since she's the assistant manager. And lacking a better option, Robert agrees. So not only has Ryan Kate... Ryan seems a little miffed that it wasn't him. And, and Daniel's not there. No. Yeah, Daniel works there. Daniel's worked there a long time. Kate's kind of been just dropped into the assistant manager role by accident rather than design, like we said. And now she's and manager. Now, and now she's manager. It doesn't, no. Hmm. So, uh, Ryan lingers back and Robert asks him to tell the group chat thing about uh, Carla not wanting to be manager. It turns out there's a WhatsApp group of them that shared information about Carla, something that Ryan doesn't think Carla would appreciate if she knew about. Absolutely not. Then Peter's in the bistro. He's happy that Carla didn't take the manager job and it isn't funny that Robert's working with young offenders when he himself has a criminal record. He doesn't think that sort of thing's allowed. Carla isn't sure, but then is confused about how Peter knew that she didn't take the manager job. Yeah. Yeah, and Peter's just like, well, I just kind of assumed because Kate is walking around here like she owns the place. And this seems to convince Carla, which means that Carla is not quite herself yet. <laughs> Robert is sending texts to Irish Tina that she's not responding to because she's hanging out with her ex-husband or her ex-boyfriend or whoever. Ex-husband. When Carla comes in, telling him that they need more ramekins, and by the way, how comes you get to work with young offenders when you've got a record? Robert snaps that uh, she's to focus on her job in less of the chat, thank you very much. And then later, Robert... And she also cleans off his... His shirt. His shirt. has got, yeah, got marinara on it. Yeah. Later, Robert's sitting at the bar looking up requirements to work with the young offenders on his iPad. It wasn't an iPad, I thought it was a... It's a tablet. Yeah, okay. He apologises to Carla for his reaction earlier and then explains that his offences were only minor, so it's okay for him to work with these young people. Carla doesn't look like she gives a shit either way about it anymore and pats his head anyway. He texts Irish Tina again and she doesn't get... and he doesn't get a response and he behaves very shiftily when Carla and Ryan take the piss about him missing Michelle already. And Carla, it would appear, senses that something's not quite right here. Then Robert is phoning Irish Tina from the kitchen, leaving a message for her to get in touch. It's been a couple of days since she was in the hospital, after all. He's disturbed by Kate, who wants to talk about the ramekins, and Robert doesn't have time. He needs to go to a meeting. Carla tells him to tell them to Skype. He's needed here, but he's already got his jacket half on, ready to leave, and then his phone, which he's left on the counter, buzzes, and Carla nabs it, and Robert shits a brick. She asks him why he's behaving so shady, and he tells her that he's just stressed. She asks if he's gambling again, and when he doesn't respond, she slips the phone into her apron pocket and wanders off. So his phone's buzzing like mad in Carla's apron pocket, and someone's in demand, she says. She's about to look at it when he says that he needs to tell her something, and this stalls her. He explains that Peter has set up this WhatsApp group for all her friends and family to keep an eye on her and keep everyone informed about what she's doing. Yikes. He insists it isn't spying. (laughs) Even though it totally is. (laughs) Clearly is. It's looking after her. Yeah. It's keeping... All the people who love you. Everyone's mind at rest. And apparently Roy, who doesn't have a phone and doesn't have a fucking clue what WhatsApp is, just tells Peter face to face. Well, Peter just tells him face to face. Peter tells who? Peter Peter tells Roy what's going on in the WhatsApp 
thing. And Roy tells Peter what he sees. Right. Right. Yeah, and then... So Carla doesn't take kindly to this, thinking everyone reckons that she's off or not and a psycho, and she nabs off with his phone. Posing as Robert, Carla sends a message to the group saying that she's smashing up the bistro, and Peter and Johnny abandon the rovers, leaving Ken in charge. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. And Ken's like... What the fuck am I supposed to do? I've been in this show for 60 years. <laughs> I've never worked behind never the bar. A or maybe he has, I don't know. I don't yeah. recall him ever being behind Next the bar. Next week on Hindsight Quarter. Oh, I can't be bothered looking that up. <laughs> if, if anybody can be bothered to tell me, please tell me. Has, has Ken ever worked behind the bar? Teaser. Of course, when they get to the bistro, everything's fine and Carla reveals that she found out about the group. My bad, says Robert. And Peter is quick to blame him for jeopardising her recovery, but Carla isn't having it. She's particularly disappointed in Roy. And I can understand that. She quits her job. Roy says, you know, this was Peter's idea. Peter made a very convincing argument, he says. Right, yes. So she quits her job at the bistro and she storms out. And Robert gets his phone back and he continues with his plan to attend this fictional meeting. He's quite happy with how things have turned out. Correct. And he turns up to Irish Tina's to find Irish Tina's ex making himself very comfy on the sofa next to her. Would you believe he's also Irish? He's, his name is Jed, of course. And he's Irish. And they're listening to Alternative Ulster. And because they're Irish. <laughs> and he's Ginger. Robert is not happy to meet Jed. No. Jed admits that he screwed up big time when it came to Irish Tina and he has forgotten how beautiful she is. Then in comes Tyler, who doesn't seem all that pleased to see his old man. No. Although, well done on the casting there, because they do look like they could be related. Jed and Tyler. Yeah. Back at Roy's Rolls, Peter explains that he didn't plan to keep the group going forever. And this actually is really all Robert's fault when you think about it. And it's really not. He was only trying to keep her safe. He's sorry, but she doesn't think that he is sorry. The group needs to stop and he needs to move out today and during the right now and during the commercial break he packs and he says that he's messed up and he's sorry and he leaves carla doesn't want to split with him but she needs some space and he's happy to give her it so he goes to number one he needs a place to stay again thanks to robert because he's blaming robert what are you doing i I was just moving it closer to my face he tried to explain (laughs) that's what she said but she didn't want any of it robert had no right to tell carla he should have lied. And Ken offers oh, the fact that... yourself. Robert lies all the time. That maybe lying is what got them into bother in And the actually, first place. he was lying. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true, he was. Yeah. He was using the truth to lie. This is, we're on kind of inception levels of, of lying now. Right, yeah. Where he's using something that is actually happening to lie to Carla about why he's being shifty. Oh... <sighs> At Iris Tina's, Jed has left for the day and Tyler couldn't be happier to see the back of him. Robert admits that he didn't like Jed flirting with her and he was jealous of the fact that they used to be a family unit together. Iris Tina says that they could be a family unit. Let's see what happens, he says. And she wonders if he sees her just as a baby factory. She needs more than what he's offering. She wants him, she wants more. And when he doesn't respond positively, she tells him Jed wants to try again with her. In Ireland. (laughs) She wants... He, Jed was apparently that's where Jed lives now. Although he works on um on the cables, whatever that is. <laughs> I, I'm 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 imagining it's like the um like underground cables or underwater cables 
for Wi-Fi and stuff like that. <laughs> on like, the water Wi-Fi? Or, <laughs> you know, like for, the... For, for oil and for stuff. For fish internet? No. <laughs> Cables laid so that... It's so not Wi-Fi, but like under underwater or underground cables for like oil and stuff is what I'm imagining. <sighs> like in between Ireland and <sighs> and the big island of the UK, the British island and the Irish island hmm. and then the Europe over there across the channel. Oh, please don't describe the... The shape of the entire world. It's, it's 11 o'clock already. <laughs> so Irish Tina is... And then there's the very Celeste floating <laughs> around empty. And then... And there's and a then, bulldog over there. It seems to be very interested in that, ne- that nettle. <laughs> here comes Jed on his cable. And he his discovers the very Celeste. <laughs> Meanwhile, the knicker people... <laughs> Very much knicker people actually. No knicker this week. people this week. Oh well. <laughs> Where do we think we're going with this storyline then? Uh I don't know. Do you think do you think Irish Tina is gonna move back to Ireland? I don't think Tyler wants to go because t- when Jed leaves, Tyler says to his mom, next time he comes around, let me know so that I can go out. So Tyler does not like his dad. It's strange that Tyler has no accent. Not an Irish accent in the slightest. So obviously he grew up in he grew up in England, but both of his But also separately from his parents. <laughs> well his parents probably came over from Ireland, so they already had their accent. You know how they say what is it like if you if you move before the age of fourteen, then you'll prob then over time you'll lose your accent. But if you move after the age of 14, that's I think it's it. a little You've got older than 14. I think it's maybe closer to 18. But my friend Stuart, <laughs> his wife is English. Yes. He's Scottish. Yes. They live in Scotland. Wait, is this Stoops that we're yeah. talking about? Wait a second. She's not, she's not Scottish? No, she's from Derbyshire. Oh, is she? I don't know. I, the only time I ever talked to her... She accused me of stealing all the men in Scotland, which is rich coming from an English woman. So, their kids speak with English accents. But they grow up in Scotland. Right, but because... And they look very Scottish. But because their mum's English... They're absolutely Scottish. Because their mum's English and speaks with an English accent, they speak with an English accent. That's weird. Oh, sorry, mummy. I'm sure they don't do so, that all the time. I'm uh, sure... Yeah, I think I'm they sure do. they're alone with their dad. They... <laughs> According to him, they don't. That's so it's sad. weird that, that Tyler would grow up with two Irish parents and have yeah, a Mancunian accent. And I mean, Stelly, Stelly says a lot of Scottish words. And it it's like she doesn't even realize she says them anymore, more than the boys ever did, because she was, what, two? I met mean, her when she was two, yeah. Yeah, so... She's had the Scottish voice in her ear since she was two. She's had a thing with accents, though, even before I was on the scene, I think. Didn't you? No. She had... She's very good with accents now, though. Like, her English accent is very good. And she and yet she doesn't grow up. Right. But but she watches a lot of the BBC and <laughs> TV and yeah. things like that. 
Okay, and so we've to a lot of British podcasts. So we've talked about that for. <laughs> so we've been going for we've and got a lot of tangents of the week this week. Oh, our next storyline tonight <laughs> is all about the quads. On Monday, Gemma is moving. Are back we almost in, done? No, with Chesney what? and her mum. Gemma's getting the big room. Bernie's on the couch, and Ches is going in with Joseph. What if she has a gentleman visitor? Says Bernie. You're not going to. Chess tells her she can get fucked if she thinks that she's bringing random blocks back. And Bernie interprets this as jealousy, but Gemma tells her that she needs to make an effort. So privately, Chesney and Gemma have a chat about Bernie. Chess has been speaking to Paul, who reckons Gemma has a blind spot for her mum. Doesn't everyone? asks Gemma. Then in comes Bernie with what looks like a small tree. Oh. Bernie has been channeling her inner beaver to bring him a wishing tree. Chesney right, yes. tells her to GTF with it. But Gemma and her mum conspired to have it in a pot in the backyard. Yeah, Je- because Gemma had told her mum that she needs to be nice to Chesney and she needs to make a grand gesture. So this is a grand gesture. Whoever you scribble down to your heart's desire, stick on a branch, it'll come true. Chesney's sceptical, but Gemma relates a Christmas story where they had no money and she left a note on the tree and Benna came home with lots of presents. The subtext being, she Bernie clearly stole, stole them. them. Yes. Chesney's in the cabin where Brian is lamenting civilization. Someone had donated a Japanese maple for the community garden and some bugger's only going to nick it. In memory of his wife. And Chesney grabs his collar a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Bernie is relaxing with cucumbers on her eyes on the sofa back at Chesney's house. In comes Chesney, angry that Bernie stole the tree from Victoria Gardens. And Bernie denies it, but fails to produce a receipt and she goes off to stick a wish on the branches telling Chesney that he better be careful when he's crossing the street next time. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma, meanwhile, is furious with Bernie, who still insists that she didn't steal the tree. She liberated it. It's impossible <laughs> to steal a living thing. Ches doesn't care. He wants it to put the tree back or he'll tell Brian. And reluctantly, Bernie agrees, saying that this is the last present he's ever going to get from her. Which is fine. And then she, and then she says that, fine, you can put it back. And Chesney's like, she's pregnant with four kids and you want her to <laughs> lug a tree? Oi, 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 oi. Yeah. It's a pretty Japanese maple, though. At first, when she first brought it in, I was like, oh, dear God, she's brought him a marijuana plant, but it wasn't. How are we enjoying Bernie? <sighs> because I saw Friday, and I've seen far too much of Bernie, more than I ever wanted to see. Uh-huh. I'm kind of mad on her. I think she's quite good. I- <laughs> Like I she said, she seems to know Chesney, and that makes me happy. Like I said last week, you know, she just there's something about her that seems kind of off. She's not quite what I expected when I thought of Gemma and Paul's mum. No, I said to you last week that she couldn't be more Gemma's mum if she tried, and I was completely wrong about that. You really are, because she's nothing like Gemma, and she's no. nothing like Paul either. No, so. I mean, does she does. She does. Up? She steals, you know, and stuff. But she's also really just flighty. And Gemma last week defended her mom walking around the house naked, saying, "Oh, she's always done that. She's always been a free spirit." But that just it it doesn't square up with the way Gemma and Paul is, because neither one of them are hippy dippy. No. At all. None of them seem to believe in any sort of crystals and stuff. 
they just rebelled against the pish that was coming out of their mother's mouth and, and that's how they turned out the way that they did. I don't know. I don't know. It seems a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Anyway, nothing really of note is happening here. This is all just reminding us that... Funny fluff and it gets Gemma Gemma's back in the house. For another week. It gets back, her back in the house with Chesney. Because we know that they're going to get back together. Our next storyline tonight is... Abby, we assume they're going to get back together. The mechanic. On Wednesday, Tim and Abby is are strolling... Is this story? Nope. What? Tim and Abby are strolling past Kev's garage, talking about a new job opportunity that she's got with Nixon's. Big Dave Nixon's got some jobs going. It's more pay mm. for less hours. Thanks very much. But Kev thinks that this is bad news. Nixon's is a heap of shite and they're untrustworthy. Tim meets Abby in Roy's Rolls. Her day has gone well, but she got let go early. She tests the waters for a return to Kev's, but Tim reckons that that's a non-starter. He leaves, and then Eileen joins her, and it comes out that she's actually been fired for dropping the bonnet of a car on Dave's hand. I thought she slammed a door. Was it? I thought it was a bonnet. No, she definitely said bonnet, because I wrote down hood and then changed it to bonnet. <laughs> you did. You know what's funny about that? Is I have a friend who grew up in Texas. Think she grew up in Texas, my friend Meg, but she now lives in New Zealand with her with her husband. And oh, her big child. change! Yeah, and on Facebook, you know, I, I had she had had a bad day. Her dad is sick, so she asked for like animal memes and stuff. So I sent her a meme of somebody opening the trunk of their car and a whole bunch of puppies piling out. Right, and she wrote, "Aw, I want a boot full of puppies." boot and i wrote back oh my god you said boot and she said oh my god i did <laughs> and she did it without thinking it's like you it's like you writing gas instead of petrol and people giving you a hard time yeah i've loved you for seven years now if i still got a petrol god yeah it's 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 just it was it was just really funny so anyway, Abby yeah. speaks with Kev at the garage anyway, and she massages the truth a bit about working at Dave's, saying that the customers are about as dodgy as he is, and she's pretty sure that they operate a boob tax. Kev tells her that if anyone can drag that place in the 21st century, it's her, and she offers to go and make a brew, and when she's gone, Kev chuckles to Tyrone that he's already heard from Big Dave, and he knows what the score is. Yeah, he does. So Kev and Tyrone take the piss out of Abby, revealing that they know that she's been fired. And she asks Kev again for her old job back, but he's weary because the last time that she worked there, she nearly broke his nose. And he deserved it! Dejected, she goes to leave, but he quickly tells her to turn up at 8 o'clock sharp, keep your fists to yourself, and we'll get on just fine. And she runs to him, hugs him, and plants dozens of kisses on his cheek. Yes, while Tyrone looks on... Fondly with, with a the two of them. very pleased look on his face. Absolutely. A because wonderful now scene. he doesn't have to do all of the work by <laughs> right. himself. On Friday, Abby's got Kev the coffee. Kev deserved it, though. Kev deserved to be punched. I can't even remember why he got punched. Because, because oh, so he, he said, said that she something... was an unfit mother. Right. right, yeah. Abby's got the coffees in and she's chuffed to be back and they arranged a dinner at the bistro to celebrate later. Abby and Ty take the piss out of Kev's 1980s attitudes to coffee calling him Kev the Crank. And then it seems, on her first day back, Abby is creating a joke Facebook page for cranky old Kev. Is it Facebook or Twitter? I can't remember. At the bistro later, Kev, who wanted to dine there, let's remember, is insisting that his food comes to him on a plate, not a plank of wood, and not a spade. Or a slate. Abby teases him and strokes his beard, saying that there's only so much progress a man can take. And he seems to quite enjoy getting these little cheeks tickled. 
Yeah, he does. Later at the Rovers, Abby is recording Kev's complaints on her phone about the bistro and poncy fancy food and that. And then he does an Arnie impression that's about as bad as mine and goes <laughs> off for a wee. <laughs> Almost. In comes Tim, who learns from Abby what she's up to, posting sound clips and videos of Kev to her site called Kev the Crank for Rants and Bants. It could go viral, she says. Tim thinks this is a bit cruel, but Abby thinks and Kev I agree. will find it hilarious. It is cruel. And, and it's he's stupid not to, to be doing this hilarious. on her first day. Right, yeah. Later at the bar, Tim wants Abby to knock it off. Meanwhile, Sally tells Kev that she thinks Abby is dead into him. She's not laughing at your jokes because they're funny, she says. And I should know, because I was married to you, you're born shit. 25 years. 25 years? He worries that he's her boss and there's the age difference. But it suddenly seems that Kev is looking at Abby like he wonders, hmm. Yeah, he seems rather keen. That might not be a bad idea after all. As opposed to Paula. <laughs> he never looked that keen at Paula. No, he didn't. She and that's as far as we get with that this week. So, Kev and Abby, I think from day one was something you, that I kind of yeah, saw on, thought, the, yeah. on the horizon. So, but this And she does seem to have a thing for older men because let's remember Peter. Peter, who's in his 50s. Uh, but yeah... It, Kev this, actually this, looks like he's in his 50s though. This whole joke thing... Yeah, it's not cool. It's not cool. It's probably going to backfire. So, and is this going to ruin the, the chances of a relationship? Oh God, I hope not. So you told me that the actress who plays Abby... Actually, dating the actor who plays Tim. Yeah, they've been posting pictures together in Italy together at the moment. Oh, on the seems, on the Twitter. It seems an interesting pair. <laughs> yeah, I'd hang out with him. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'm sure he's a very generous. And lover. we love her hair. Her hair is fantastic. Yes, we love the new do. I can't remember what it used to look like. It used to be a bit longer, and it used to hang down. And it didn't used to be like because her under hair is like a dark is like a darker color than the blonde on the top. And it looks really lovely. Kind it's of like pixie-ish. Up. It's not quite a pixie. Pixie would be a little bit shorter. Huh. I'd call that pixie. Yeah. Well, you'd be wrong. Well, you can dude. go fuck yourself. <gasps> On to uh, our penultimate story. Yay! <laughs> Ken and Claudia. Claudia is oh. moving in with Ken for some reason. Oh, because uh, there's work being done on her new place and her old place is already sold, so she had to leave there. She thinks number one is terribly cluttered and disorganized. She doesn't mean to nitpick or henpick, but she tries to put him, Ken, onto a Japanese book called The Magic Art of Tidying or something. It's The Magic Art of Tidying Up by Mary Kondo. And you might remember that a number of months ago... Mary was talking about picking things up and and thanking it for its service. And, find you know, if you find joy in something, then you keep it. I stuff. do not remember that. And she called it something else. And I, and I said, this is the, this is the Marie Kondo thing. And they're just calling it by a different name. And yet now, apparently they can, the, Claudia is actually calling it by its right name. Marie Kondo has a show on Netflix. Well, they've got as people. Well as the book. They've got people googling now instead of vogling. So, it's a brave new world. Yeah. The book has changed her life, she says, and she's still trying to get Ken to buy into this new age hippie shite. If something doesn't it's give him joy, he should shite. say thank you and discard. 
He throws out some shirts, but he can't throw out a box of glasses. They're Deirdre's and they mean something to him. And Claudia takes a piss out of them just a bit as Tracy comes in, saying something about forgetting her keys from the other night. Right. She lambasts Claudia for taking the piss out of her mum and she chastises Ken, telling him that his standards have dropped. Those glasses were enormous, though. Well, that was the style back then. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Her glasses, when she was wearing her glasses, were much bigger than anybody else's glasses. But that was the style back then. But no, it was her thing, was to wear enormous glasses. That was her thing. It had nothing to do with style. Says you. Yeah, it says me. Yeah. Yeah. But Tracy's absolutely right. Claudia shouldn't be taking the piss out of her mum's things. Claudia has moved on to Ken's books, which she treats as sacrilegious just as much as Deirdre's glasses. Yeah, she takes a piss out of uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, one of my favourite authors, and puts one of his books in the bin box. And I just wanted to reach through the screen and punch her in the nose. Check out his short story, A Very Old Man with Enormous Wings. One of my favourite short stories of all time. Yes. Claudia suggests a single pair on display is a much better memory than dozens stuffed in a box, which is a fair point. He promises to treat her with the same level of scrutiny when she moves back to her flat, which Claudia seems in no rush to do. And there was a couple of scenes on Friday where well, Claudia... Well, being worked on. Claudia continues her decluttering, throwing out four of Ken's brown jumpers, all of which seem to be presents from Blanche. Blanche? Blanche. Claudia mentions that she's thinking about selling up her flat now that it's across from that fucking Doss house. And Ken is shocked but covers well enough. Claudia moves on to Ken's cardigans now. Yikes. And then later, Claudia is still continuing to continue to declutter. And Ken's had some advice from his friends in the pub to tell him uh, he should tell her how he feels and he asks what Claudia's plans are. She has no plans to move into number one, she says. She's fond of Ken, but she cherishes her independence. And Ken says, yes, so do I. They're more than friends, she says, but that's that. She doesn't want to be the next Mrs. Barlow, and Ken looks chuffed to fuck about this. And absolutely relieved. Right. Which is funny. Yeah, but but she does seem to be... Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say that number one is cluttered. Oh, for the purposes of the storyline, it is. Right, yeah. But it feels... And the fact that she's going after Deidre's glasses and sweaters that Blanche gave to Ken, there does seem to be a sense of her wanting to get rid of the old wives and girlfriends, the the many loves of Ken Barlow. And it's hilarious. Well, Blanche was his mother-in-law. Right, yeah, but still, the many women of Ken Barlow, if if that is better. But it was funny in the pub, Ed says, was it your, um, what did he say? He said something about, oh, was that your wife? And Ken says, that was my last wife. Yes. Or something. So, Ed, Ed. Ed my late wife, he says. Yeah. Right, but the way that he says it implies that he's had more than one without saying it. Yeah, and Ed practically looked at the camera at that moment. (laughs) Yes, like, get a load of this guy. He was like Tim from The Office. (laughs) Whenever Ricky Gervais says something, Tim would go. As would Jim. Just staring at the camera. And, yeah. Um, I thought that pub scene was also rather funny because 
a whole bunch of men complaining that their wives are always trying to declutter their lives. Whereas in this hoose, it's the other way around. Hmm. Let's not pick up that scab. <laughs> it's 20 past 11. I want to go to my bed at some point tonight. No. Our final storyline tonight Yay! is human traffic. Oh. On Monday, Sebs and Roy's roles complained to Faye about the way it's worked out with Alina, who was pretending that she'd quit her job just so he'd stop pestering her. Faye recommends apologising and drawing a line under it, but he's not sure. And that, I think, is the last we see of Faye this week. In the community garden, Seb calls Alina, who is, as always, at the nail salon. Random fact of the week. Seb's phone has 37 contacts in it, including Anne and Fat Brenda. There'll be another random fact of the week next week. So she nips out to take the call and he apologises for making her feel that she had to lie, but he still likes her and she insists that she still likes him too, but it's complicated. And then she's caught by evil Rachel, who immediately grabs the phone off her and hangs up on him. Abby's chatting with Seb in the rovers. One minute he was chatting to Lena, everything was fine. Next minute there was a scuffle, he explains, and he heard that her boss's voice, Rachel's voice, was on the line just when it uh, before it went dead. Abby tells Seb that they need to make a plan. So it seems that Abby and Seb are getting on a little bit better now. Right, because Abby almost died in the roof collapse. Remember? Is that why? Yeah. Okay. They've gotten better af- immediately after that. Abby goes into the nail salon. Uh, Alina sees her and goes on her break. Rachel isn't the most gracious of hosts to Abby, and Abby complains about her gloss coming off or something. Yes. She wants it fixed, and she wants the organ grinder to take care of it. Fine, says Rachel. Meanwhile, Seb has snuck through the back and finds a fairly squalid situation. Alina is listening to music sitting on the mattress on the floor, and she tells Seb that he needs to leave. Don't make things more difficult for me, she says. And there are a lot of dolls in that room. Did you notice how many dolls? I didn't know. Eesh. There's lots of dolls. I, I don't know if they're trying to make it look like, you know, lots of young women live there. Oh. But the dolls. The dolls bothered me. Abby's Just dolls. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Abby's trying to stall, but Rachel uh, essentially chucks her out. Meanwhile, Seb is trying to convince Alina that he can find her another job and a different place to live. He can find her a job? What's your job, Seb? Well, he's he works for himself now. Remember, he goes on his wee bike around and does yeah. odd jobs. It's a fantastic job of doing that. Yeah. She just wants him to leave before Rachel finds out. He doesn't understand why she's so frightened of Rachel. And then they hear Rachel coming and oh. Seb hides because he's frightened as well. Yeah, Rachel like he, like, he tucks himself hides on under the, the mattress side, or something. Like on the other side of the mattress, where if Rachel wanted to see him, she. She absolutely would have seen him. Yep. Rachel wants to know what's going on with Abby, uh, but Alina plays dumb. Rachel explains that it's so risky for Alina to get involved with outsiders. Her family are depending on her, and Rachel can't control what would happen to them if things went wrong here. Alina Yikes. promises not to cause her any more problems, and meanwhile, Seb is still hiding, thinking, what the actual fuck have I stumbled on here? Right, because on Friday, when Abby and Sally go there to get their nails done... That's last Friday. Yeah. Abby says to uh, Abby sees Alina and says hello and Alina runs out and Abby's like I could have been her mother-in-law and she's dissing me and pretending that she doesn't even know me so and Rachel saw this but Rachel doesn't know that Abby is Seb's mum correct yes with Rachel gone Seb finally twigs what's going on here Alina is being trafficked and she insists, though, that she was into this, that she went into this, rather, with open eyes. 
Rachel and her husband Nikolai paid for her ticket and once she's paid back that debt she'll be able to send money home to her family. And in the meantime they have her passport and ID so she can't go home even if she wanted to. Yeah. Seb threatens to go to the police but she laughs telling him that he doesn't know what he's dealing with. To get him off her back she agrees to meet him later. And later she does meet him in the community garden. He promises that he won't tell anyone about her situation but he always but he also promises to look after her and hang around. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to make sure that she's safe. Then Seb comes home while Jan is finishing off a conversation in Polish on the phone. Jan asks Seb what's going on, but Seb doesn't want to talk about it, and Jan looks like he might know exactly what's going wrong. Later, Seb is watching the nail salon from behind a bin across the street, <laughs> and when he hears the door open... He hides behind the bin and secretly takes photographs of whoever's coming right, out. Right, he sticks his phone out and goes, step, step, step. Snap, 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 snap. When he looks back at them, he finds that the person leaving the shop... It's Jan. It's Jan. Dum, dum, dum. And he actually gets fairly good shots for not looking right. at all. Back home, Seb asks Jan if he took care of business at the builder's merchant and then went for a manicure. And Jan is caught off guard and says that he had some work to do there and he didn't want to rub it into Seb after the Lena stuff. Seb explains that this could be a problem because the nail bar are crooks. Seb refuses to elaborate, so Jan insists that he'll keep working for them, they pay good money, and sometimes it's better not to ask too many questions. Then on Wednesday, Jan and Eileen are planning a trip back to Mother Poland. She goes off to work when Seb comes down for breakfast. Auntie asks Jan if he saw Alina and he says that he did and she was fine and then he warns Seb off from going back there and he should forget about her. There are plenty more fish in the sea, And he constantly insists that Alina wants nothing to do with him when we know and Seb knows that she does because she did say so. Seb, inexplicably, then goes round to the nail bar to threaten Rachel that he's on to her, accusing her of paying her staff peanuts (laughs) and forcing them to live in terrible conditions, which she denies. He points his wee finger at her, does that breathing through his nose thing, and warns her that if if she does anything to hurt Alina, he'll be right round to the police. What is he thinking this is going to accomplish? What's this going to achieve? That's not going to accomplish anything. You're telling her that you know. That this woman is threatened by you? What is going on here? So later, Jan is doing more repairs at the nail bar and Rachel tells him about Seb and his threats, calling him all mouth and no trousers. Jan thinks Seb will get bored and then Rachel gets a call from Nikolai and she tells him to deal with this Seb situation. Which relieved me because I was kind of afraid that Jan was actually Nikolai, but he's not. Right. At home, Jan gets Seb to help with the dishes. He tells Seb that the nail bar are not good people after all and he's done with them. Seb refuses to turn his back on Alina despite Jan's advice. Then on Friday, Seb's about off to work, but he's got a flat tyre, so he's pumping it up. Jan asks him what he's doing today, and Seb tells him that he's handing out flyers for his business, and then he's going to the nail salon. An exasperated Jan warns him off, saying that he'll end up costing her her job, is that what he wants, and he gets Seb to promise to leave her alone. Seb promises this. No, no, no. But I think he's he got gets, his mental fingers crossed behind his back. He gets, he gets, Jan gets him to promise to stick to the flyers, which Seb does. Stick to the flyers. I'm not sure why that's an important distinction. Because we don't know what's actually on those flyers, do we? Do we find out? No. <laughs> so what is your point then? So, well, we also don't know 
what Seb is going to be doing. We don't find we're not going to find that until next week because we don't. Groovy. So Abby's working on a car when she sees Rachel in the street, who nabs Jan coming out of the cabin and tells him to get in, and he does, and they drive off, unaware that Abby has witnessed all of this. Can you stop moving the microphone? Sorry. Thanks. Part somewhere, Rachel explains that they have 15 Albanians coming in and the ones that are already there will be moved on to other salons around the country. Including Glasgow. Yeah, yay, Glasgow. Boo, Glasgow. Glasgow. He'd better now, he'd better not fuck this one up or Nikolai will go Raj. Talking of which, he'll go Raj unless Jan does something about Seb and Jan promises to take care of it. She won't ever have to see him again. Then Abby sees Rachel dropping Jan off later. Rachel warns Jan again about Seb and tells him to answer his burner phone that she hands to him. Abby sees this exchange and looks very concerned. And at home, Abby explains to Seb what she saw and Jan and what she saw Jan doing with Rachel. She tells him that he doesn't know Jan that well and that he'd better be careful. Seb is confused as Jan had said how much he hated Rachel and would never work with her again. Then later at home in the kitchen, Seb confronts Jan about him and Rachel and passing the phone. What's he up to? Seb threatens to tell Eileen everything, and at this we see that Eileen is actually standing in the hallway, and yeah, you better tell me everything. She wants them both to start talking, right now. This has happened before, where two people are talking about what they better not tell Eileen, and Eileen's standing right behind them saying, well, you better start talking now. And in fact, I think it was, I think it was, it, it was Seb and Jan the last time as well, wasn't it? I think this happens every week, doesn't it? Jan insists that Seb is putting two and two together and Seb says he is and he's making four and explains to Eileen about Alina being kept at the nail salon against her will. Rachel is a human trafficker. Well, what's this got to do with Jan, says Eileen. And Jan says it's got nothing to do with me. But Seb explains how he saw him there when he said it was at the Builders Merchants and how Abby saw him and Rachel today in the car. He calls Jan a liar, and Jan does some fast thinking and says that he hasn't been completely honest with them. He claims he only knew about the trafficking recently when he saw the back room, and when Seb discovered what was going on, he went back to cut his ties, but Rachel came today to threaten Seb and, apparently, give Jan his phone back, which was nice of her. He tells Seb <laughs> that he's made things a million times worse by letting on that he knows. He insists that he has nothing to do with them, and he wants them locked up. And Eileen admits that she doesn't think that he's involved but he keeps far too many secrets and she doesn't know if she can deal with that. And Eileen and Seb are in the pub talking about human trafficking. She's not happy with Seb keeping secrets either. Jan comes in wanting to talk. He told the truth, he says. And Eileen wants to go to the police, but Seb promised Alina he wouldn't. Eileen inexplicably gives Jan another chance and he goes off to say that he's unpacking his things. So apparently it seemed that he was packing to leave or something. Right. Because so, Eileen said he wanted, she wanted him out. So on their own, Eileen tells Seb that they might need to go to the police after all, promise or no promise. He thinks there are other things that they can do to help, though. Meanwhile, Jan is in the yard, on his phone to Rachel, and he tells her he's sorted the Seb problem and makes sure that they're okay for the Albanians' arrival tomorrow. And that is how we end this week's episodes. Oh, thank God. (coughs) Hallelujah. This is going to go batshit crazy next week, I think. Yeah, it's going to blow the f up i'm kind of worried for eileen and seb here me too that's that's, i don't know if both of them are safe no because this is 
That's pretty are, serious shit is, that's going on. This right is here. actual yeah. villainy. Right. This is actual villainy. You know, this. Is, these are people doing bad things. Very bad things, yeah. On purpose. Right. Not doing a bad thing because they're broke and then it becoming a bigger bad thing or doing a bad thing because somebody's trying to kill you. No. This is making money off of a very bad thing. Out and out evil. Right. And Rachel looks evil. She looks even more evil than she did when she came in. Remember when she came in to the barber shop and threatened Nick? Yep. Did she look evil at that point? She looked... She was much prettier then, but she keeps putting her hair back and her eyes are bugging out and she's... She looks evil now. Right. You know, and how is she running a nail salon being so rude to customers the way she is to Abby? Well, I think she's rude to Abby because she suspects Abby is up to something. And she doesn't trust how Alina acts around about Abby. She thinks that something's going on there. Right. And plus she doesn't really care if Abby ever comes back or not. No. Hmm. Hmm. So Alina's probably not safe either. No. Oh, all these poor 15 Albanians that are coming in. And, you know, Rachel's, Rachel has something on Jan as well. Rachel in the what? car, she's, she kind of threatens Jan as well and says something about the people he has back at home as well. So I don't know if Jan is a willing participant with Rachel and Nikolai. I don't know what his role is in all this. No. Because he's not responsible for bringing them in, but he seems to be responsible for setting it up once they come in. Is that what he's doing? Something like that. So what's Rachel doing? Rachel is what she's doing. in charge of the whole operation. She's the one who makes all the money and she's the one who threatens. I think she brought Jan in and Jan, she may still have Jan's uh, passport as well. Although Jan is talking to Eileen about going back to Poland, which is weird. Yeah, once his court Especially case since, is done. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Exciting stuff, though. And I love the storyline this week. And how much does Paula know? Yeah, th- this is... This is exactly where I'm getting confused. It's like, what's yeah. Paula's involvement in this? Is right. it just representing Jan through this drug thing? Because it seemed that their, no, their looks think... to each other were a little bit more furtive than that. There was something right. else going on there. And I think it is completely different from the guy who was breaking into her house because he didn't look like he was involved with this. So he doesn't have anything to do with this. Hmm. That that was genuinely the environmental thing. Moment of the week. Abby getting her job back. Oh, I'd love that. I just filled my heart with joy. Although, although I have to say, I also really liked the Abby and Seb caper working together. You know, them them getting together in the Rovers and talking about it and she giving him advice and her helping him out to get to Alina and stuff. It really did my heart good to see. Yeah, a bit longer than a moment though. Them working together and stuff. So, I've, I just give it all to Abby. Abby and her fantastic new hair. Abby and Kev. Moment well, of the week. Well, about Tyrone in the background. That's right. our moment of the week. Moment of the week. The boring moment of the, 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 the week. Well, this is also Kev. Yes, it is. Complaining about uh, football. And his Wedding County season ticket yeah. i guess this was our precursor to kev complaining about everything else for the rest of the week but right yeah. it went on for 
way too yeah, long. Because him, the, the whole complaining about not having stuff on a proper plate was way overplayed as well, I felt. Right. But the season ticket and thing. And the whole coffee thing. Yeah. That was... All of it was just way over the top, but that that started it and it was a weird complaint that I don't understand. So that's our boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. It is 11.36. I want to go to sleep. I have almost two hours of audio to work through. <laughs> so let's cut this right now. If you want to translate those electrical impulses in your brains into written communication and you want that communication to about Coronation Street and you want to impair that com uh, communication to us, this is how you can do that and we'll probably read that out loud next week. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, Skype for voicemail if you want to leave it and on PayPal if our empty virtual tip jar is making you feel uncomfortable. We're Please. at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We still need an air conditioner still in Still don't know how to use Instagram. I literally couldn't figure out how to post a picture the other day. And we have a blog <laughs> over at the talk of the street <laughs> podcast.wordpress.com. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk of the Streets. Bye. Cheerio. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.